Welcome to Fintech Founders, the podcast where we sit down and speak with the entrepreneurs changing the financial industry. In each episode, you'll learn about a founder, the company they built, and their vision for the future. My name's Nicholas Beliveau, your host for the show and the head of marketing at Fintech Cadence. Fintech Cadence is a community builder that's developing Canada's fintech leaders of tomorrow. To learn more about what we do, visit fintechcadence.com. Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I have the pleasure of having Geeth J, co-founder and CEO of CryptoWorth. How's it going, Geeth? It's good. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. Thanks for being on the show. Happy to have you here. It's a pleasure to be here. So let's kick it off. Let's jump right in. Sure. Could you tell us a bit about CryptoWorth? Yeah. So CryptoWorth is a cryptocurrency and a blockchain solutions company uh, for the institutional level clients. So we serve anywhere from small businesses to large institutions, uh, including governments and uh, big trading firms. And what do you do concretely? Crypto is a nebulous space. What do you do within uh, that space? Yeah, so we build uh, software solutions for purposes like accounting, uh, asset management, uh, c- custody, uh, portfolio tracking, uh, blockchain, private blockchain, private private blockchain tracking, things like that. And could you dive into that accounting space? Because I, uh, when, when we last spoke, right. I found it a really interesting topic. Now that more and more people, most institutional firms, but also the private person, is detaining more and more crypto assets. Right. Well, every year when you do your um, declaration for taxes, you need to be able to show not only what you own in physical assets, but now you have to also show what you own in crypto assets. How do you guys, could you explain like your role in this whole accounting space? Sure. So accounting itself is complicated already and cryptocurrency adds another layer of complication. So what we try to do is try to minimize that layer. So we build software solutions where we consolidate different endpoints, cryptocurrencies, exchanges into one single platform where you'll be able to run these FIFO, LIFO algorithms and calculate your capital gains. Uh, without having to worry about jumping from one tab to another tab, copying and pasting the data on Excel sheets. So all you had to do is just connect and run the system. Yeah. Okay, cool. And how, how did you come up with this idea that one day, oh, hey, I woke up and I want to do accounting for, for crypto? Are you an accountant yourself? No, I'm not an accounting at all. <laughs> I, had never, I never do accounting for myself. So, uh, well, how I came up with it is in 2017, we didn't have laws back then uh, for cryptocurrencies. They weren't even uh, realized by the government. So in 2017, I was trading myself. I was trading on behalf of the family and friends. So I, w- I was trying to track the cryptocurrencies uh, in real time, and there was no solution because my family would ask me how much it's worth at this time, how much it was that time, and I didn't have a way to track this real time. So uh, I was looking for solutions online. There weren't any, and then I thought I would make it because I come from a software background, and I'm, I've been working in industry for some time. So, yeah, I thought I would build it. Okay. Yeah, that's what happened. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe let's chat a bit about you now. Um, okay. You were have been an entrepreneur for a while. Could you tell us a bit about your 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 journey from maybe school where you were doing software engineering right. uh, to where you are today and the the adventures you've had in between those points? Sure. So uh, I started programming at a really young age in grade three. That's when I first wrote the. Oh, I thought one. I thought when you said you were three, I almost no, no, freaked no, out for a second. Three. <laughs> okay, grade three. Yeah, and I started. I wrote. I wrote my first program. Then I okay. built a search engine consolidation app in grade six. 
uh, and then grade nine or ten, I built a taekwondo player ranking system uh, for school. Okay. And after that, yeah, I I studied software engineering, so I built did a couple of projects there. Uh, were Were any of these first projects like actually commercialized, or was it just for fun within the school? No, it was for the school. Yeah, okay. but I did get I got good grades, uh, but no, I never thought of commercializing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but in, so uh, in high school, I studied uh, so a little bit of software engineering, and then undergrads, I was hundred percent into it. Uh, then, in, during my internship, I worked for a multinational corporation. I was lucky to be a part of a couple of Fortune 500 projects like Aetna, JPMC, uh, United Taylor Motors. Um, so that gave me um, better insight into the industry and how it really plays out in the world. <coughs> also. Uh, then I did my master's in software engineering as well. So that I come from a strong background of software and in different uh, sectors, uh, banking, uh, healthcare, insurance, real estate, uh, energy. Yeah. Right. So you, you were never necessarily set upon coming into fintech? No. Uh, I knew about fintech early 2013. That's when I first got to know about it. Uh, with How? The, with the talks about open banking coming into play and people building these uh, initial versions uh, how they would how open banking would help the world so that's when i first got into or heard about fintech in the first place yeah and then but you didn't start working on this in 2013 no i, I started working on this in late 2017 so yes. what was your project in between uh, the, the the first real startup that you you built. Oh yes, so a real startup was uh, a software solutions and a packaging company where we built custom solutions for different companies as well as we sold other softwares like G Suite or Bitrix to other companies. So basically, we take a we look we go for a company and we try to solve the IT solutions or IT problems that they have. Okay. So, so we would sell G Suite with our app. So we would combine them and provide them the solution. So we were also piggybacking on the Google's infrastructure and at the same time sliding in uh, our apps into the... What were your apps, for example? Uh, one of them would be a shopping cart. Some uh, Another one was a HR tracker, a payroll tracker, and um, some couple of websites, uh, basically online purchasing, mainly. So, so if I'm able to identify any trend here, it's you, you <laughs> because of your background, you spot a problem no matter the industry in which it lies, and right. you try to build solutions for that. Is that your, your biggest passion, you would say? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So uh, I'm able to uh, spot a problem, and uh, find. I think I'm able to find the most efficient solution as fast as I can. So that kind of helps me to get into market quickly, because I've worked with the big guys for a couple of uh, years, and yeah, I think that yeah, what you said was right. <laughs> okay. And what has been your, your biggest learning so far? You're, you're pretty still young in your, your entrepreneurial journey and now yes. crypto worth, and we'll get into more of the, the, right. the success aspect of it. Yeah. But um, what, what has, have you had any major pitfalls um, that maybe the, that is taught you lessons that you're now able to bring into your current startup? Business-wise or technical-wise? Or even personally. Right. So, yeah, I learned that you always have to take time before making a decision. I never rush into anything. Um, and also, uh, 
go go over your plans again and again and again uh find out your competitors find out what's really there in the market because sometimes you dive into a solution not knowing that there is a guy who is already a step ahead of you so yeah know your competition uh, take your time before planling yeah Except right because as a technical founder right uh, <coughs> a lot of the time and I've had this experience too <laughs> you you really fall in love with the the product itself right. you want to solve the problem but you don't think of the business use case necessarily behind it right you you just focus on building the coolest product the the taekwondo <laughs> optimization for for keeping score without necessarily having a business small right behind it right was that ever a, an issue H- how did you become a a technical co-founder that also has this business savvy right so the taekwondo system was a part of a project uh, a creative project uh, but every time i build a system afterwards it's not because i thought it was cool uh, i always try to find the business case first and try to build the app on top of that because if i do it the other way i might waste sure. my time so yes so i i try to find the problem first so if there's an actual problem and if there's no existing solution or the existing solutions are too already deep into the market then i wouldn't go for it so if 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 there's an opportunity and if it's a new new problem that's coming then i try to bring my knowledge and build a system around that than just creating a uh, system and then try to sell it after you know what i mean right and you you've never done business school per se how did you learn all the Uh no I I never went to business school but uh my pa- my parents actually helped me to get into that uh, okay. and and uh, I worked closely with uh, the CEOs of the company I was very lucky uh, I would say so I saw how they would tackle and dodge these problems that would come to them and why they did what they did so that gave me a better insight on these problems in this sector um so yeah that's that's how I learned it I think it's uh time Mm-hmm. time eventually with time i just learn more and more and i'm still learning right uh, yeah and you don't do it alone sorry you don't do it alone no You're i don't do it alone yeah of course <laughs> so could you tell us a bit about the story how you got richard um, richard is yeah. yeah so richard was is uh, coming from a business background and he's a trader um yeah, he was trading full time in cryptocurrencies uh for context richard is your co-founder for he's people listening yes <laughs> yeah, richard is my co-founder and uh yeah he was uh He was a trader full time and uh, he he had a great knowledge in that most people I would meet mm-hmm. uh, in the industry and that's rare to find uh, in the especially in this sector uh, you, people just heard of bitcoin but they don't know a lot of things so i was i think i was very lucky to uh, i met him and then uh, yeah then we connected and uh, he he got he had a business knowledge as well as the industry uh, industrial knowledge sure so then we we came together built the uh, system and the company from there but that could be <coughs> tough at times right when you're 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 building a company uh, if if you're not a solo founder when you have another s- somebody else who has a stake in the company um at your previous company were you building it alone no i was with another partner as well oh. uh, we had two more par- i had two more partners yeah okay three so people what do you find are the 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 learnings you've had so you've done in the past and now you're doing it again so you can maybe compare and contrast um but the 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 biggest lessons cuz a lot of times it's really important especially for a technical founder or, e- or even more so a non-technical founder that wants to build a, a tech startup um to have not only employees but really a, a partner in the business but it can be very 
tricky to go about it, right? Because you might have worked on it for a couple of weeks, months, or even years, and you don't necessarily want to just give out then 50% stake or 30% stake to somebody in, in the company. What have you learned from uh, maybe identifying the right person to, to come on board? Right. And then how you manage that uh, relationship such that it's, it's a positive one? Yeah, so like you said, partnerships are very delicate and sensitive. Uh, and yes, uh, you hear a lot of bad experiences with them. Uh, and my past company, we had a problem regarding these partnerships uh, and people not agreeing with what everybody sell, says. So uh, yeah, I, I, what you're saying is completely right. It's a really uh, complicated situation. So what I, what, I, what I do basically is I try to... Uh, get an understanding what the person would do and make it clear what I expect as well and then do give him uh, what he deserves uh, and give him enough so he's motivated and take other precautions like vest vested options and uh, things like that so that'll kind of ease out these complications but yeah um, but you gotta be you gotta I, 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 you have to look at the personality of the person, uh, their background, what they do on a Friday night instead of a Monday morning. So things like that, you can, you'll be able to calibrate a person better than just look at the CV. So that's how I approach the problem usually. And how long does that process take for you? Okay, Richard was an exception. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, I would say a month of going back and forth, uh, maybe more. Yes, most likely more. Okay. Yeah. Especially if you're coming at a larger stake of the company, or if it's Richard came to me halfway, or like after about one and a half years. So if you want to start with another partner on the first day, and that's that's problematic because then you got to build together, and if if you're cl trying to clap with one hand, then it's a it's kind of you can't clap with one hand. You can you only can. slap. <laughs> you can only <laughs> slap. It doesn't make a noise. <laughs> yeah, the business won't work. Yeah. So now moving forward, now that you're, t are, are you two or you're more than that now at this point? Uh, Co-founders or in terms uh, of the team? The team itself? Uh, the team is, yeah, it's grown. It's about five, six people now. Yeah. So what's the, the trajectory? What are your next like milestones you're, you're looking to achieve? Could you tell us about where you're at maybe today um, in terms of deal flow or whatever, and then where you're, you're expected on, on going? Yeah. So today we are about to... Uh, Close a couple of institutional level clients. Um, we're trying to work with the government, uh, see what the needs are there. We're trying to find out more about what the market really needs. So what we're trying to do is, they, you know, people tell that they want X, but what they really want is Y. So we're trying to f trying to find out what what they really want. So every day we are polishing the system, adding new features, removing existing ones, uh, so we can calibrate our platform so it can better suit the needs of the industry so that's what we are doing and at the same time in terms of deals we have a couple of institutional level clients that we are trying to close and yes uh, we are also looking to raise money as well okay yeah. cool anything you could share on that front at this time or not really yeah we've we've had some offers uh, we're negotiating uh, so I'll leave it at that okay. <laughs> okay. fair enough fair enough yeah so now let's um, let's take this last part of the the show to to just talk about um, the 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 future of the 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 crypto space fintech in general but but specifically crypto because that's what you deal in. Um, right now, 
there, there is definitely a need for, for accounting in, in crypto. Moving forward, that need is simply just going to grow. Um, how, how do you see that going? Like Any specific insights you see in the market trends right now um, that indicate any anything interesting that's going to happen in the, in the crypto space? Because I, I, I personally don't follow it. I spoke with um, Austin from Consilium Crypto, who he told me a lot about uh, the, the crypto space and, and trading it and how the, the markers are all different from one platform, one exchange to the next. And it, it seems really like the wild, wild west. Everything is still to be done. And you're essentially building the sort of the, a plumbing system within it, like a really vital function, which is great. You have cryptos. Well, now you have to report them. Um, right. h- how do you see the future of the, the, the crypto space? Yeah, so I think cryptocurrency is at this infant stage still uh, because it's still complicated. Uh, it's not uh, really friendly, user-friendly yet. But what I see, the, the trend right now is uh, stable coins. Uh, what is a stable coin? Stable coin is a, coin, a cryptocurrency that matches the exact uh, fiat co- uh, currency of that country. Sure, that, and yeah. that makes tons of sense to me, that that's yes. the future of crypto, because yeah. for, for the everyday person, that it, it just makes, um, I guess, life a bit easier. Instead of having paper, well, now it's the same thing, but in a crypto, it's not this nebulous concept. It's really your value, which is kind of like on your banking account right now which is just numbers exactly um, it's not even real money exactly <laughs> yeah. they, they never even hold it yeah and yes so that stable coins is a big thing because uh we see when banks reconcile after a 24-hour period they try to move money from here point a to point b which is expensive the trucks the guards the weapons uh, you name it right sure now with blockchain coming into play you're mathematically secure plus all those inefficiencies are no more uh, so yeah i think that's a big trend and i think a lot of central banks are doing a lot of research and development in that space because i think they realized how uh, how much money can be saved by going digital rather than sticking to the uh, paper yeah and it's good for them as well they can track it yeah, so yeah, that's that's a major trend. Uh, no, we we talk to clients uh, in Europe, um, in Asia, North America. Uh, we've met almost almost every every country. They have a stablecoin project that's going on. And recently, we've 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 been contacted to uh, serve them around that stablecoin project. So, accounting for that, for, for example, accounting for a specific stablecoin project. So I think uh, that that stablecoin trend is going up for sure. But <laughs> you, you would do the accounting for who in that case since the government would launch a stablecoin? Yeah, so um, not not necessarily the government can launch a stablecoin. Uh, another big institution maybe backed up by the government or with their confirmation or with their, with their approval, they probably can launch a stablecoin. So launching a cryptocurrency is not that hard. Uh, it could be done um, com- um, comparatively. It's not that hard. So I think if they have the permission from the government, I'm pretty sure anybody can launch a stablecoin. But again, there are a lot of parameters involved, government regulations, etc. Yes. Right. But so so then you would do the the stable c- the the accounting for it. For it, yes. P- plus the other c- coins as well. So 
with stable coins, st- the, the reason for stable coins is the early ad- advantage I told you. The, you don't need to move money here and there sure. physically. The other sure. one is... And you could trade it without borders in that case as well. Exactly. So Bitcoin and uh, Ripple, whatever you name it, it can, they can be unstable. So if you do make money on a trade, you can swap it back to a stable coin. So there's that as well. There's that use case for consumers, even, even traders. Uh, so if you make a really great trade or you short or long... Um, you can just uh, quickly swap that currency, whatever you made, into a stable coin, and that'll give you a dollar equivalent or whatever the fiat money involved. Right, right. And then you know at least it's backed by your... Yes. That, well, yeah. I mean, you, you have a lot of options today for US dollar. You have USDT, you, ha- you have USDC, all very equal to the dollar, US dollar. So if you trade on Bitcoin for and you gain $1,000, you can swap it right away to... USDT, knowing that it's going to be the same as USDC. Is US the only one that has a stable coin at the moment? Uh, no, I think uh, Hong Kong has a few. Uh, China, Canada is doing a research. I'm pretty sure most countries do. Uh, Venezuela. Um, Venezuela yeah, as yeah, well? Them, yeah, they as well. They're going hard in crypto, yes. But that's interesting. How do they do that if their fiat is so volatile? <laughs> yeah. Well, I... Stablecoin, end of the day, they back it to the... Uh, oh, they probably use USD. Uh, they can use USD. Uh, but okay. I, I don't know the into how to what level they use it. But uh, I, uh, these are the countries that actually look into these uh, stablecoins. Yeah, well, it makes sense for, for a lot of countries going through political <laughs> yes. instability. Exactly. Africa, too. I uh, think a lot of countries try to... Um, there's this coin called the Acorn coin as well. The what coin? The Acorn coin. Uh, Acorn. Yeah, like okay. the artist. Uh, oh, Acorn. Yeah, Acorn. Okay. Yeah. Acorn is a, yeah. a startup in, in, uh, oh, in yeah. the US. <laughs> no, no. The, the Acorn. Uh, yeah, there's Acorn coin as well. Yeah. Okay. Peace up, a down. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Um, okay. And any any final takeaways for, for other entrepreneurs in, in fintech um, that, that you'd like to share that is important? Because, like, you know, we're, we're trying to build this community. In, in fintech across Canada, um, Canada compared to on the world stage is, you know, uh, there's still a lot of room for improvement. Um, how, how do you find us on the world stage in terms of crypto? By the way, where do you find Canada? Canada? Yeah, um, I think it's on the top two for sure. Really? To, uh, uh, well, in the world, you said the world. Yeah. Um, okay, the world. Because if it's if it's North America top two, we're in second place. Yeah, that's not so yeah, <laughs> I know. I know. Uh, probably top five, I would say. Okay, we, we, we're there. We're not loud, but we're there. Why do you think um, that's, that's interesting? Could you could you build upon that and explain? Yeah, uh, why I tell that it's in top five is because um, there's a lot of projects started. It started in Canada mm-hmm. and Montreal, Toronto. You have a lot of projects going on. Why I would if there's a point against it, it's the uh, it's the support by the banks. The banks in Canada don't really they're not really crypto friendly as it is in the US. So if you if you go to them and try to open a business bank account or try to get a credit line or a business loan, and when the moment you say crypto, they're gonna say no. Right. So yeah, that in that side of side of the thing it, it's bad but uh, other than that like you see you have we, we talked to a lot of clients here banks uh, government governments uh, provincial level governments uh, uh, federal government they all they all looking into this um, and uh, all the big four firms in Montreal um, Toronto they all 
trying although they don't really speak up publicly i think they they are looking into they you see a lot of reports coming coming out of uh, these companies about cryptocurrencies so if they're making reports um they they are doing a that they're doing their due diligence and they're actively looking into this industry. That's that's for sure. <laughs> okay. I'm curious to well to see how it uh, develops, um, especially with open banking, which is uh, right. Uh, that's a big deal. Yeah, I I I personally think open banking with cryptocurrency and tokenization, digitization, digitization of all these assets together will be the new future for. Uh, for banking, I think it. Uh, I think that makes tons of sense because if you have the the data available, you just yeah tokenize yeah. it as yeah. you say, and then uh, no more trucks in the street with uh, armed guards to yeah true. And uh, I've been talking to a couple of uh, bankers as well, and they they're worried that they're gonna lose their jobs uh, because everything's automated now. So with this, yes, we will see some drop uh, drops in jobs as, but as any you industry know it's always a flip side the, the exactly and there's yeah. gonna be tons of value created so tons of new jobs that we couldn't even think of at the moment yeah being created, uh, for sure so. for sure a lot of you'll, you'll need a lot of jobs uh, a lot a lot in cryptography security uh software yes and uh crypto worth accounting uh, yeah and that's <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure <laughs> geeth thank you thank you so much for for coming on the show appreciate yeah, uh, you sharing your a bit about your story your company and how you see the, the future of the industry. And uh, yeah, looking forward to, to catching up uh, sometime soon. And to all of you listening, thanks so much for tuning in. We'll, Thank you. Uh, catch you next week. Take Thank care. You.